Our reading this evening is Jeremiah chapter 18. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. Now therefore say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return, every one from his evil way, and amend your ways and your deeds. But they say, That is in vain. We will follow our own plans, and will every one act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Ask among the nations, Who has heard the like of this? The virgin Israel has done a very horrible thing. Does the snow of Lebanon leave the crags of Syrian? Do the mountain waters run dry, the cold flowing streams? But my people have forgotten me. They make offerings to false gods. They made them stumble in their ways, in the ancient roads, and to walk into side roads, not the highway making their land a horror, a thing to be hissed at forever. Everyone who passes by it is horrified and shakes his head. Like the east wind, I will scatter them before the enemy. I will show them my back, not my face, in the day of their calamity. Then they said, Come, let us make plots against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let us strike him with the tongue, and let us not pay attention to any of his words. Hear me, O Lord, and listen to the voice of my adversaries. Should good be repaid with evil? Yet they have dug a pit for my life. Remember how I stood before you to speak good for them, to turn away your wrath from them. Therefore, deliver up their children to famine. Give them over to the power of the sword. Let their wives become childless and widowed. May their men meet death by pestilence, their youths be struck down by the sword in battle. May a cry be heard from their houses when you bring the plunderer suddenly upon them, for they have dug a pit to take me and laid snares for my feet. Yet you, O Lord, know all their plotting to kill me. Forgive not their iniquity, nor blot out their sin from your sight. Let them be overthrown before you. Deal with them in the time of your anger. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week we heard in Jeremiah chapter 1 how God called Jeremiah even from before he was formed in the womb. God called him to be a prophet and to speak this hard word to his people, a stubborn and rebellious people who should have known better, people who had been called by God's name and led out of Egypt and given a promised land. Jeremiah was to preach to them repentance, turn from your evil ways, turn from your false gods and live. The Lord wants to save you. In the chapters between Jeremiah 1 and the chapter we read today, Jeremiah 18, we can hear a lot of the themes that come out of Jeremiah. Like Jeremiah's lament about the people of Israel. He laments that such a tragedy is taking place. Who has ever heard of such a thing, he says? Who has ever heard that a nation would abandon its God? Even the pagan nations, the foreign nations, They don't abandon their gods, and yet what has happened? The people of Israel left their God behind. He says they have committed two evils. They have forsaken God, the fountain of living waters, and they have dug for themselves cisterns and wells that can hold no water. They left behind true and living water for empty and dry wells. They left behind abundance and joy and blessing for famine and destitution. Who has ever heard of such a thing? And that is what makes Jeremiah lament. He's in anguish over everything that is coming on the people of Israel. Destruction from the north, a foreign nation going to come and conquer them. God has threatened them. He says, turn from your evil ways, otherwise you're going to be plucked up. From your homes, you're going to be carted off to a foreign land. You're going to watch your city burn, and I don't want that to happen to you. That's what God says. I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want you to look up in the sky and think that everything is being undone, that creation is being undone. I don't want you to see the reversal of everything that I've pledged to you. Don't leave it behind. That's a compassionate message, a hopeful message that Jeremiah was called to bring to the people, and yet... They would not listen. They put their hope in all kinds of vain things. They looked at their building, the temple, and they said, because the temple is still standing, and because the priests are still offering their sacrifices, and because everything seems to be just fine to us, it's all going to be okay. We don't need to listen to this hard word. We don't need to repent. We don't need to amend our ways. We can continue to worship false gods. We can continue to love ourselves. We can continue to oppress The poor and the widow and the fatherless, God won't do anything. In fact, Jeremiah at one point says, Lord God, why does it seem that you have planted the wicked and you've watered them and you've fertilized them and you gave them growth, they spring up and they're flourishing? Why does it seem like you're giving them all kinds of blessings? It's making them secure. It's making them feel safe in their wickedness. Jeremiah wonders because they sit there plotting evil all day long, even against Jeremiah's own life. That's what we heard tonight. They heard the message from Jeremiah, and they said, look, the only way to shut this guy up is to put him away altogether. He's a prophet, after all. He's going to keep on jabbering away. And so the only thing we can do to deal with this problem is to get rid of him, to dig a pit for him, to throw him out of sight and out of mind. We're not going to listen anymore. The basic problem, that the people of Israel faced, their basic temptation, the basic mistake that they make is common to all of us. And Jeremiah gets at it early in chapter 18. God has told Jeremiah to go and visit a potter's house. 
Somebody who's responsible for making clay vessels, for turning them and shaping them and hardening them and curing them and turning them out to customers. That's where he ends up, in a potter's house. God tells Jeremiah to go to this potter's house and to see what's happening. And when he enters the house, he sees that the potter has been working on a vessel, on a clay pot. But it's been spoiled. Something went wrong. He made a mistake or there was some defect in the clay. And so what does that potter do? He takes that lump of clay and he smashes it all together and he puts it back with the rest and he starts over again. God says to the people of Israel, that's what I'm doing. This is what I mean by... I am the one who destroys, and I am the one who builds up. But the people of Israel say to themselves such foolish things as, Who made you the potter and us the clay? Who died and made you king, God? How come you get to be in charge? How come you get to form us? How come you get to decide what is good or bad? How come you direct our ways? We would much rather be in charge. In fact, that's just what the people of Israel did. Maybe you remember back in Exodus chapter 32. When Moses was up on the mountain talking with God about the Ten Commandments and God was wedding himself and engaging himself to his people Israel, taking them to be his bride, Moses is on the mountain and the people are down below and 40 days pass by and the people say, we don't know what happened to Moses. And so they tell Aaron to make for them gods, gods made out of metal. And they gather together all kinds of gold and silver And Aaron forms, crafts a golden calf for them. He makes himself the craftsman, and the God is the thing crafted. See how he has inverted, how the people of Israel have turned things on their head. Instead of God making them in his image, they have decided to make God in their own image. Instead of letting God be the potter and they the clay, they want to be the potter. And God, the clay, who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever heard of such a thing, of turning the world on its head? Jeremiah puts it this way. He says, the virgin bride Israel has abandoned her groom. That's exactly what happened at Mount Sinai. There God was promising himself, pledging himself to his people. It's like a wedding night. And on that wedding night, she's nowhere to be found. She's off with some other man. The people of Israel were worshiping a false god. Even then, on that day, when God was pledging himself to his people, who has ever heard of such a thing? It makes Jeremiah lament. It's outrageous that this should happen. How could this ever be that a nation would abandon such a good and gracious God? How could it ever be that people would want to be God, to put themselves in the place of God? How could it ever be that the clay would want to be the potter? They have forgotten altogether. Jeremiah is tasked with speaking, and he speaks, and they react in this dreadful way. We don't want to hear it. Just not interested in listening. And so Jeremiah laments. But did you hear his lamentation? It's actually something that we would call an imprecation. It's a fancy word for cursing them, speaking evil of them. May their women be widows and their children be fatherless. Lord God, their time is up. Bring judgment on them. If they won't hear your word, then... Carry out all the disaster that you have decreed against them. He's like Jeremiah is shaking the dust off his feet. As Jesus told his disciples to do when they went from one town to the next, if they're going to reject God, then they need to come under his judgment. If they're going to reject God, then they need to hear this harsh word. They need to be terrified so that in some way they might learn to repent. 
Perhaps when disaster comes upon them, perhaps when terror strikes at them, perhaps then they will finally cry out to God for mercy and believe. It's not because Jeremiah hates them, and it's not because God hates them, but it is because he is the potter and they are the clay, and he wants to see them. He wants to see them turn into a vessel of righteousness, something fit for a holy use. He wants to see his people redeemed and saved, and so he pulls out all the stops, and God will do whatever it takes, even at the expense of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was not a happy man for all that he suffered, but God was willing to spend Jeremiah on this. God was willing to send Jeremiah to speak to hardened hearts in the hopes that even just one would believe. God said of the people of Israel, give me just one man who will repent, and then I will spare them. Give me just one man who will turn away, and I will hear his prayer, and I will save them from destruction. That is what God desires above all else. He does not want a sinner to die. He does not want anyone to perish. He wants to save every last one. That is why it matters so much that we let him be the potter and us the clay. If we make ourselves to be the creator and demand that God be our creature, then we will be lost forever. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot make ourselves into anything, much less can we shape God to be who we want him to be. It is far better to let God be God and for us to be his creatures. It is far better for us to let God be the potter and we the clay because he is not a capricious potter. He's not just having fun. He's not just toying around with the clay, but he means to turn it into something glorious and good. He means to turn you into something glorious and good. For all the sin that weighs you down, for all of the weakness that you feel in yourself, for every sorrow and tragedy and grief that you suffer, God wants to save you from every last one of those things. He wants to turn you into vessels of righteousness, fit for eternal life. And so, we should let God be God. We should let him be the potter and us the clay. After all, what he wants is to make a masterpiece. He wants to make us in his own image. He wants to make us like him. How foolish it was for the people of Israel to craft a God that looked like a cow. How silly is that? When we have a God who wants to instead make us into his image, how much better is that? That's what God does to the nations. He did that to the people of Israel. He does that to nations throughout time. That is the history of the world. It is a history of God destroying and tearing down and plucking up and planting and building and cultivating. It is all in God's hands. He is the potter and we are the clay. Rejoice and be glad. You've seen God's good work in this, his love for you in this, his intention for you in that Christ died for you. He gave up Jeremiah to suffer misery at the hands of the people of Israel, but that was nothing in comparison with what his own suffered, his own son suffered for your sake. Jesus bearing all of your sins to the cross, dying so that you could be redeemed and so that you could be formed just like him. Praise God for his endless mercy to us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.